0: Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Uh, He's not a God of coincidence. He is God so incredibly intentional. Now, we've been created in the image of God and the lives that we live Uh, are meant to be lives that are lived with great intentionality. The thing that saddens me is that people, many people, uh, increasingly uh, don't live with any sense of intentionality at all. Uh, And our lives are reduced to just really small, predictable patterns. And uh, every year goes by quicker and quicker and quicker. And every every year just seems to be like Groundhog Day. Uh, It's not how God has created us or intended us to live. Passage that I shared last week, John 15 and 5, Jesus' words, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. In verse 16, he reminds us, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. When Jesus is talking about fruit that will last, he's actually saying that from an eternal perspective. Fruit that has eternal impact. God's perspective on your life and and my life is an eternal perspective. We are born into such a time and place as this to fulfill a kingdom purpose. You are here, you are on this planet. God, in his intentional design for your life, placed you on this planet to be a source of hope, a source of healing, a source of encouragement, a source of love, a source of salvation to another or other human beings. The talents, the gifts, the personality, the likes, the dislikes, all the things that go to make you, you, are totally unique. You are totally unique. There is no other person on the face of this planet like you which means only you can fulfill your God-given purpose. The question that I closed with last time, which is a really, really challenging question for all of us. But the question is this, are the things that you are currently living for worth Jesus dying for? That's a really, really sobering question. Now, we've had some homework over the last uh, 10 days or so, and that's to read Genesis 24. Sorry, I did it. You did it. Thank you, Aggie. That's absolutely awesome. Well, we all like attention drawn to ourselves and a bit of praise from others. Uh, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands who else did it because we'll run out of crunchies, I hope. But anyway, uh, you're all smiling. It's fantastic. But the background for this is from Genesis 24. Here is Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation. God's made many promises to Abraham. Those promises are fulfilled in and through his son Isaac. Now, if you're going to be an heir of a nation, you need a wife. And so there comes a point uh, where Isaac needs a wife and Abraham uh, thinks now is the time. And so he tasks his most trusted servant, a guy named Eliezer, with the mission of going and finding a suitable wife uh, for his son Isaac. And as the story unfolds, eventually uh, Eliezer comes back with a beautiful beautiful young girl named Rebekah. Now we're drawing some lessons from this story because uh, Abraham gave Eliezer a task. Eliezer, in accomplishing that task, uh, there's a whole bunch of keys in there, but he he was so intentional about the way that he went about accomplishing that task. But also, as we looked at last time, these Old Testament stories do have a relevant application for us today because what we discover is that many of the stories in the Old Testament are actually pictures of what is true of Jesus under the New Covenant in the New Testament. We discover under the New Covenant, the church is called the Bride of Christ. What is the desire of the Father? It is that He would find a suitable bride for His Son. And the picture that we have here is Abraham is a picture of God the Father. Isaac is a picture of God the Son. Eleazar is a picture of God the Holy Spirit. And the same as Eleazar's mission, the Holy Spirit is seeking a bride for God's Son. And friends, just as Eleazar sought God... Submitted to God, committed to the task, God enabled him by the Holy Spirit to succeed. Now, that's God's intention for us, the church. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. It is the Holy Spirit's intention that we succeed in being a suitable bride for the Son. Eliezer was given this task. He was committed he was so intentional about seeing that task accomplished and the challenge for us in this is that we need to live with great intentionality about being the body of Christ we need to live with great intentionality about being and creating a suitable bride for Christ and I trust that we will commit to this in 2022 because that's the first key that we discover from Eliezer (coughs) that he was totally 100% committed to the task that Abraham gave him. And if you and I are to live with kingdom intentionality this year, we've got to be so committed about being the church, being a church that is a suitable bride for Jesus. Because friends, you and I, as the bride of Christ, but as the body of Christ, we are actually to be the continuing presence and ministry of Jesus in the world today. So number one, we commit to the task. Number two that we discover from Eliezer is that living with intentionality actually requires a plan. And so in his dialogue with Abraham, there is a lot of detail about how he was to go about accomplishing that task. Friends, can I say there's absolutely nothing wrong with planning. I, I, it bothers me uh, when I meet Christians who seem to feel that God's not into planning, uh, that he is just totally randomly spontaneous. Uh, and, and I hear strange suggestions like we shouldn't even plan our services. We should just turn up and see what God does. Uh, it bothers me when I hear pastors saying, oh, I never plan my sermon, I just show up on the day and see what God would have me say. Uh, and I often think about that and wonder if God, when he's heard those sermons, would think, gee, I wish he'd spent a little bit more time in planning and preparation. But anyway, God is not opposed to structure. God is not opposed to planning. The very nature of the word intentional or intentionality speaks of a bit of forethought, a bit of planning. And Eliezer listened to Abraham. He devised a plan because, I suppose circumstantially, it seemed like almost an impossible task because Eliezer was charged with the responsibility of going to a place that he had never been to meet a woman he had never met Propose to her on behalf of somebody else and bring her back to a place that she'd never been. Uh, now, that seems like an impossible task. But Eleazar assessed the situation. He did devise a plan. He looked at the problems. He looked at the obstacles to the mission. And then he equipped himself for that mission with a very carefully thought out plan he was going to find the right girl he was going to be invited into her home he was going to share the promises of God with her he was going to pop the question on Isaac's behalf Uh, then he's going to ask her parents permission and then he's going to bring her back to Isaac now friends can I say we've got to be really honest about our own situation we need to be constantly assessing our own situation. Because sometimes we look at where we are and we look at where we would like to be and we think, well, it's just impossible that I could get there. Or we think wrongly that just one prayer will get me there. Sometimes there's issues in life that need to be dealt with. There's obstacles within us that need to be brought into the light and resolved. And just because we face obstacles doesn't mean that God's not in that journey. Uh, There's a great quote that goes something like this. um, Opportunity, the door of opportunity swings on the hinge of obstacles. And you think about it and it's kind of cool. The door of opportunity swings on the hinges of obstacles. I I would suggest that when you look at the way the world around us functions, there would be a lot of people that wouldn't have jobs if there wasn't obstacles to be overcome. A lot of people are in the problem-solving business. And in fact, I think if you were to look at the difference between a high-paid executive and an average worker, it is not their ability to accomplish a task that separates them. It's their ability to solve problems. And so we've got to be in the problem-solving business if we are to be intentional about living with kingdom intentionality. Because there will always be problems. There will always be opposition. Sometimes there are things within us that need to shift. There are things that we need to mature in. There's things that we need to work through so that we can get to be where God wants us to be. Again, there is nothing wrong with with, with planning. There is nothing wrong with preparation. There is nothing wrong with, with assessing where we're at. God is into planning. You know, if you were... Uh, Coming to my house, and you've phoned me up for directions. One of the first questions that I'd have to ask in order to give you accurate directions is Where are you now? Because if I don't know where you are now, I can't give you directions to where you need to be. It's the same with us. Where am I now? What is my station in life? What are the obstacles? What are the problems? What do I need to put before God? What do I need to go and mature in and through? What do I need to resolve so that I can be positioned in a place where I'm living with kingdom intentionality towards the things of God, to be His body, to be the bride? Thirdly, we need to actually build our faith so that we can build our confidence. Uh, Kerry and I are now uh, well into our, well, over 30 years of ministry, which means we're now in our fourth decade of ministry. The biggest challenge, the biggest faith step in our ministry lives was to sell up and leave everything that we had established in Queensland to return to Tasmania to plant this church from nothing with no promise of anything. But what you need to know is that that wasn't year one of our ministry. That was year 13 of our ministry. And what we had to learn to get to that place of taking, making that bold, bold step in God as God directed was 13 years of growing faith. And as we grew faith, we grew confidence. God gives us a faith challenge. We press into that challenge. We rise to that challenge. He gives us a bigger challenge and a bigger challenge and a bigger challenge. And we had 13 years of learning the lessons of faith, learning that God is reliable, learning that He is faithful and trustworthy, learning that God provides, learning that God directs, learning that God makes a way where there is no way. And all of those little lessons and growing lessons on the way gave us the confidence to take the biggest step of our ministry lives in planning this church. Now for Eleazar in his mission, we don't know much about his background. But what we do see in this story is that Eleazar actually leaned into the example of Abraham's faith to give him confidence to accomplish his task. Genesis 24 and 5. The servant asked him, Abraham, What if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying to your offspring, I will give this land, he will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. And it was the promise of God to Abraham that inspired Eleazar's confidence. Again, verse 7, The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household, and my native land and who spoke to me and promised me on oath saying to your offspring i will give this land he will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there and it may be that the confidence that you need to live with kingdom inten- intentionality comes from the faith experience of others we see that and that's one of the wonderful things about church But let me tell you, one of the places you find that kind of confidence and that kind of example is in the pages of God's Word. And this is one reason why we need to be in God's Word, because we see pages and pages and countless examples of people like Abraham, like Eliezer, who exercise great faith in a a faithful God to accomplish great things beyond their own capacity, God calling and using and raising simple, ordinary, everyday people to do incredible things. The Bible is filled with those stories of faith. We need to fill our lives with those stories of faith to inspire us, to encourage us. So let me recap. Number one, we commit ourselves to the task. Number two, we make a plan. We assess where we're at. Number three, we build our faith so that we build our confidence. Number four, we need to build and strengthen our character. Verse 16 of Galatians 5 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. Verse 22, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Friends, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control are the Fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit simply is character. And part of what the Holy Spirit is doing in us as we allow Him is to refine our character. It's an ongoing work, it's a continuing work, continually refining our character so that we reflect more of Jesus. You know, I often talk, or certainly have done in years gone by, in a youth setting. Uh, about character and I'll I'll have a whiteboard there and and what I do is put up a whole bunch of names on the whiteboard and they're names of sporting heroes or great personalities people that are lauded in our world as champions or heroes Uh, often these are the kinds of people that uh, young people aspire to be like But when I write these names up, all the names that I put on my whiteboard have one thing in common. And the one thing they have in common is that every one of them has had a spectacular public moral or ethical failure. And here's the thing. They were all gifted, incredibly gifted in their chosen field, but they lacked character. And there's a great saying that goes like this. Don't let your gift take you. Where your character cannot keep you. Don't let your gift take you where your character cannot keep you. And God, friends, has given to each one of us unique gifts that we are to use intentionally. But the foundation for our God-given gifts must be godly character. Can I hear an amen? Because God is just as interested in developing your character as he is in developing your gift. So back to the story. Reading from verse 1, Abraham was now very old and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living. Now there is a huge clue in those verses as to why Eliezer was the one that Abraham chose for the task. Eliezer is described as the senior servant, the one in charge of all that he had. Eliezer was fit for the task because he was totally trustworthy, totally honest, totally loyal, and it would seem had uncompromised integrity. Friends, Character is such a key component of living with kingdom intentionality because God is looking for those who are full of the fruit of the Spirit, whose character can be relied upon to fulfill the task. And then the final key that we read in Eleazar's life is a great place to finish because it brings us back to where we started. Number five, we work together. Friends, this is the nature of the church that God has called us to be. We work together, as the Apostle Paul says, we are co-laborers together in Christ. Proverbs fifteen and twenty-two says, "Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisers they succeed." Eliezer understood that principle. In verse forty-nine, now if you will show kindness and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, so I may know which way to turn. Laban and Bethuel answered, This is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or the other. Here is Rebekah, take her and go, and let her become the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has directed. Friends, whenever Kerry and I, in 30 odd years of ministry, have ever had to make a major decision, we never do that on our own. We always lean into the counsel of those that we are accountable to. God never calls us to be a lone ranger. The very nature of the body of Christ is just that we are a body. And we are lived, to live in total dependence upon God and total reliance upon each other. Because I think one of the principles that we've certainly seen over the years is that when God calls us to a task, the task is often bigger than ourselves. And if it is bigger than ourselves, then God will draw the right people around us to see that task accomplished, and we do it together. And as the team comes back this morning, friends, let me say this. When this life is over, we will stand before God with totally empty hands. There is nothing at all that we have in this life that we will carry with us into eternity. Which actually should remind us of how worthless the things that we hold so highly in this life actually are. And again, to ask that question again are the things that you are living for, for worth Jesus dying for? So, will we live 2022 with intentionality, committing to God? committed to being His church, His body, His bride? Or are we just going to let 2022 slip by? Friends, I I pray that we will work together. I pray that we would be actively just encouraging each other in faith. Uh, I pray that this year we will see some wonderful opportunities of service. And I, I pray that we'd commit ourselves to the task because that is key number one. Commit to the task, make a plan, assess where we're at, build our faith so we can build our confidence, strengthen our character and work together with others. Some great keys. Let me close with the Apostle Paul's words from Philippians 3 and 7. He said, Once I thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For His sake, I've discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteousness through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. I want to suffer with Him in sharing His death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let's pray. Father, Your call is upon us. You are calling us. And Father, forgive us when we place way too much value on the things of this world. I pray that we would be kingdom-hearted, kingdom-minded, kingdom-focused people. And that 2022, as as the world around us continues through a season of incredible uncertainty and disruption, that we would live with confidence because our hope is in You. Because our hope is in you, Lord, that call that is upon our lives to be Jesus, to be your body, to be your church. That's, that's kingdom purpose, kingdom call, eternal perspective. It transcends whatever's going on in the world around us. It never stops. It doesn't take a break. And so I pray that we would know that we would know the fulfilment, the excitement of engaging in Your kingdom purposes, using the gifts and the talents that You have placed in our lives. We are born into such a time and place as this. And like never before, Lord God, where the world offers no hope, may we discover our hope in You. And may we be that same source of hope to those who don't yet know You. Make that real for us, God. Continue to grow us in faith, inspire us in faith, refine our character, make us fit for purpose, God, I pray.